Quite the Thing Media, we aim to bring you the best podcasts produced by independent creators, made without constraints. Hello everyone, welcome back to Foreign Object, the wrestling pod from us at Heart and Hand. It has been far, far too long. My name is Kev Armstrong. We are doing a very special one today. Um, we're recording and doing this as a dual feature where we're putting out, putting out a few more pods over on our, our sort of sister site, uh, Water Maneuver. Um, but I'm not alone. I've got two, uh, how would we say, we may as well just go all in and say two of the elite podcasters from Heart yes. and Hand. First of all, we've got, we've got Sai. Hello, Sai. Hello. Evening, Kev. How are we? Uh, not as good as you are, mate, but we'll get there, we'll get there. <laughs> and we've got young Xander, who um, I think is worth eight stars in anyone's Tokyo Dome rating system. How are you, Xander? I'm very good, mate, thank you. And I, I, I'd probably add a, a point two five on there, just because I watched the full tag match. But... Ah, that's uh, something that we'll come on to. Now, we've, <laughs> we've not been in a while. Um, I say to myself and Sai and Xander as well, we've been uh, working over on our our sister pod, just because obviously there's that much happening with Rangers and Heart and Hand is jam-packed full of other podcasts. It's every time we went to do a wrestling pod, then we would say, right, we'll wait till after this event and then something would happen. And then we'll say, right, we'll do it once this person debuts or gets released. Or then we'd say, we'll move it back to this event. And you know what pro wrestling's like? It's it's here and then it's gone and it's something new before you know it. So we, we apologise for it being far too long since we spoke to you. So we're going to go and do a wee sort of double blast. We're going to talk about SummerSlam. But first of all, we may as well talk about All Out. So I, as we record this, we're recording this on the Monday night. I watched some of the event. You watched all of it, and I'm going to go back and watch it. And I think Xander watched the buy-in and every minute of every second of every bit of action from the, the full show. But before we start with the reviews, I'm going to ask you, the man is back who we thought we would never see again, the best wrestler in the world, CM Punk has returned. Sai, what's your thoughts on Punk coming back? It's been it's been a great few weeks seeing him seeing him back doing his thing. I mean, I was kind of, I, I was not going to admit it, I was never his biggest fan, but this is his second chance, and this is his chance to sort of owe the fans back, that he even admitted himself, he's made decisions that the fans might not agree with all those years ago, but it was all down to his health and his mental well-being. So fair play to him. He walked out on that, that contract. So and he's back now and he's self he's back with the fans and the stuff that he's done. I mean, the, the return was outstanding. The, the first night that he came back and it was praised throughout the whole wrestling community. And then he he done a couple more wee gigs on Dynamite and a commentary shot on Rampage as well. So no, I was I was looking forward to to the match itself. So I'm. I was also noticed a lot of his promos as well. It's kind of this wee nicey nice routine he's got on going on just now. So I think it won't be long until that heel turn happens either. And Xander, you're a big punk mark like me. I'm, I'm well documented in my love for CM Punk. I think he's my favourite wrestler since Shawn Michaels and Steve Austin and such retired. Punk's the one I related to the most. Doesn't drink, likes tattoos, doesn't smoke, doesn't do drugs. He's right up my street. How about you? You're one of these young pups. What, what do you think of CM Punk? Uh, punk, uh, for, you know, not just for myself, but for so, so many others, is the reason that uh, I got out of that sort of wrestling lull that I had back in, like, 09 and, uh, and uh, like, the start of 2010, you know, that sort of um, 
that pipe bomb run into the money the bank match was uh, like it got me hooked again and um, his entire WWE title run. You know there was some finicky parts in that, but overall I think we can argue that it was a fantastic run they had that about and. And yeah, I've only got to thank him really for that, for bringing me back into wrestling that way and then make me like it a lot more. So uh, I was really, really excited to see him come back. And, and when we did that um, that discussion on what a manoeuvre about uh, about what, what the AEW should do with Punk, if he went to return, because this, of course, was before he, 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 uh, he came back, it was after that pod that I just sat and said to myself, we probably just done that for nothing, because he's probably not going to come back. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and of course, he he shows up. Uh, right at the start of the show, and it was uh, it was awesome. It's, it's one of the best pops I've ever heard as well. It was a uh, that was a really good night, and it was also a very fun night to watch him uh, last night as we recorded this because he, I thought he put on a good match with Derby. Uh, spoiler alert! I think it was match of the night, but I would probably say that anyway. Right, we may as well get right into it and start at the very beginning. As I say, I'll be honest. I watched some matches. I watched some parts of some matches and then other matches are just skipped totally right to the end. Sai, we'll start with you. Did you watch the, what was it, a buy-in they called it, the pre-show, which was your favourite Orange cast <laughs> against Matt Hardy's crew, or did you skip it? I skipped straight to the, the opening of the pay-per-view. I didn't, didn't watch it. Xander might have done it, but it's just one of those pre-show matches. It's just to, to get the crowd, the live crowd going, really, isn't it? Xander, did you watch this absolute nonsense? I think, who was it, Orange Cassidy, Chuck Taylor and Wheeler, you two? I have no idea who that is. Uh, Wheeler, Yutan uh, and Jurassic Express as well, they were in that team and it was against the, the Harvey family office, which um, uh, I'm, I'm a bit, bit wary in that, that gimmick, yeah. but... The match, match itself is fine. You know, it's, it's a big multi-man match. You're going to get, you know, some of Daphne's. You're going to get some decent wrestling a little bit through there. They're going to be a bit of chaos. It's, it's a classic multi-man match. But the, the big thing for me, though, was that the Butcher returned. And he actually got a pretty good reception, uh, which was cool. He did no music, though, <laughs> from what I remember. I remember him just walking out of the ring and everyone was like, wait, hold on, that's the fucking Butcher. <laughs> and uh, and then the crowd, the crowd went, uh, went nuts for him. And then there was a bit of brawling again. Uh, and and this, this all happened after. Uh, Orange Cassidy's team won as well, uh, and it was just, oh, yeah, it was just a bit of carnage and stuff. And, and as Simon said, there was just to get the crowd going at the start, so um, it wasn't it wasn't too bad. It was just it was cool to see the Butcher back though, especially in uh, in the buy-in because it, it sort of tells you as well, like you know, we don't just do the turns on the main shows here. We do we do them whenever yeah. we can. What one's the Butcher? Is that the one with the the, sort of the beard, the the mad beard sort yeah. of thing? I can't even tell you he was a good wrestler, no, but I think he's one of these guys that looks like a wrestler and very much stands out in EW uh, when you've got a lot of smaller guys. Yeah, I think he's been away on tour with a band. I, don't, I think he's a bass guitarist or something, so he's been away for a while now. I think it's three or four months he's been going. So. I think he was out as well, but he's been on tour with his band, so I uh, good on him. Aye, uh, well, that's, that was that. Uh, the main show kicks off. We have got Jim Ross, Tony Schiavone, and the, what do you call him, Excalibur, with that yeah. daft mask on. Um, the first match-up site, I will start off with you again. Miro and Eddie Kingston. What do you think of it? Yeah, it was just a typical sort of Miro-Eddie Kingston match. You know what you're going to get for Eddie Kingston. He's just a, he's so good on the mic, he's been always a good promo guy. In the ring, I mean, it can go at times, but some of his work can be pretty sloppy as well. But it was just one of those. It was a good opening match. It was both both guys are pretty over with the crowd in terms of being the heel in the face. So no, it was 
it was pretty hard hitting stuff as well. You seen some of the shots that Miro took to his chest as well, they're blooded up and just chest totally exploded at one point. So I didn't expect any surprises in this match. Miro's basically undefeated still as a singles competitor in the AEW, so and it doesn't hurt Eddie Kingston losing this match. You he, he's still got that sort of mid card upper I'd say he's upper mid card actually because he's he is so good on the mic as well. So I'm interested to see what what he does next, but. No, it was a good opener, pretty hard hitting as well, but the expected result with, with Miro winning it. Sander, my, I took literally one or two notes as I went, right, because I started watching this before work this morning, and I thought, I like the presentation, see, you know, they'll get those tunnel things where the, mm. the wrestlers come out of, and they picture or like a digital screen of the belt in the middle, and I thought that was quite a nice wee touch, and I loved the... The fact that they were saying, oh, Miro is such and such an O versus this, and he, he normally completes his matches by so much time, and giving it that sports-based feel, and I'm on record for, for years, I've been coming on this pod saying that AEW posts a, a promise as a sports-based product, and, and I like that, and I thought the match was fine, but I say you're probably the biggest wrestling fan I know, and that you will watch anything, and you will enjoy Almost anything you can find enjoyment in Lucha Libre, Japan's strong style, AEW's ballerinas or WWE's witches and strange doll things. But what did you think of this one? I know that this match is this match is awesome. Uh, like you know, you guys missed the uh, the buy-in, so this would have been like your your real opener, and and it was a good opener as well. Like. Um, Eddie diving off the top of the apron and near the near the start of the match and then like Miro power slamming him and there was the German suplex and the huge like pump kick which was really cool and then uh, Miro was going to lock in that game over and yeah this match was just a classic big guy fight and and then of course when Kingston hit that spinning back fist and the DDT I thought that I actually thought that was it I thought Kingston was going to run with the boot for a bit but then uh, Miro kicks out and then uh, Hits the, hits, he goes in the mule kick now, doesn't he? Hits the mule kick. Uh, yeah. And then with the ref distracted, and then he gets that high kick to beat him. So not only does Miro look good here as the champion by staying champion, but Eddie Kingston will have a reason to, to, to want to face him again for it because he was cheated out of it. And then it, it keeps Eddie looking strong as well. So all in all, just a really good um, first match of the main show. I think as well, there's a good chance. The referee was, I don't know what he was up to last night. He was, he looked distracted. I don't know who it was. Rick Knox, is that his name? I'm not too sure. But um, he was all over the place in that finish. It just, I think, I don't know who was distracted from the crowd. He was, he seemed to be shouting at two or three people. And then, I think it was Excalibur said it was the ring crew he was shouting at. But he was pointing into the crowd and stuff. So I don't know if he's, unless it's got part of an angle where he's going to become a, a heel referee. I don't know. But just, out of place and out of character. Oh, I must say, I never really noticed anything. I, I was watching it this morning as I was eating my toast. There was nothing really stuck out. Um, uh, go go back to the end of it. Yeah. Go back to the finish and you'll see him where he's kind of distracted for about 30 seconds and he's, he goes to one side of the ring and then he goes to another and then the commentators are... I don't know if they're track up for him or if it's part of the storyline, but it was pretty, pretty shady goings on. Eh, right, okay, next up. Now, I'll be honest, I skipped this match. John Moxley does absolutely nothing for me. <laughs> He's one of the biggest disappointments. See, the, right, the thing is, see, when he left WWE, I remember him doing a podcast thing with Jericho's, 
And he was like, mm-hmm. oh, I just, I wasn't allowed to do so much stuff and they were so restrictive and I want to do all this stuff. And I thought, I really like this guy. I'm really, really interested to see what he's going to do and what sort of plans he's got. <laughs> Every time he's, he's just, literally, however he fights, he, he can't fight a match in the ring. It's got to be outside. It's got to be hardcore and all this nonsense. It just does nothing for me. So I skipped it. I'll be honest, I've absolutely no idea who these Japanese guys are. I know he beat one in the match and then another one came out. Absolutely means nothing to me. I'll go to Xander first because you're a New Japan, Old Japan expert. What did you think of this match and what do you think of these guys that he's fighting? Because I say I have no clue who they are. I think I think this is actually a really good idea from AEW. Um, I don't know if John Moxley is the perfect guy to use. As like the American who wants to beat all of these incoming yeah. Japanese guys, I don't think he's the right guy to do with. Um, however, I wouldn't say you know I wouldn't say guys like Omega are either because Omega's been in Japan and he's done it all. Uh, same with like the Young Bucks and stuff. They they, they all travelled over there and then had um, long a pretty long career over there as well. So, uh, I mean, I don't mind Moxley in the ring. He offers something a bit different, which is just sort of I'm not gonna you know uh, get you in a headlock and then try and flip you over. I'm just gonna punch fuck at you like I, I don't I don't mind that as the type of character it's just sort of like nah I don't know how to wrestle but I know how to fight um, but to face to face someone like Kojima though who is a former Triple Crown champion he's a former IWGP heavyweight champion uh, to, to, for, for to face him as well it, it, it was really it was really interesting and I, I was I was wondering if Kojima was really going to carry the match up as well because he, he maybe wanted to bring that New Japan style over but it seems like Kojima just went Moxley just just hit me and and we'll go from mm-hmm. there. Uh, and and after that, I thought I thought the match was absolutely fine. Uh, Moxley picked up the win as well uh, after hitting that paradigm shift and then a death rider, which uh, which was nice to see again. So so yeah, all in all, I thought the match was absolutely fine. And I I, I like seeing Kojima over here because now people might say, oh, who is this guy? And they may go and search him up and see all these fantastic matches over in Japan. He's, he's had some belters. Uh, and, and as you mentioned, um, yeah, there's a debut after the match of. Uh, Mr. Suzuki, uh, where the Kazi Neniar music played, which is awesome. I didn't know they would get that, and that's why the, the place went absolutely nuts. Um, that that's that's an opponent from Oxley, just an absolute hard bastard. That who he knows that he is. So you know he, he done he done uh, mixed martial arts for a long time. I think his record, I believe, was around uh, thirty and nineteen. I believe his record was, yeah, he had a lot of, almost about 50 fights, I'm pretty sure he had, I think there's a, a draw in there somewhere, maybe I'm not too sure, but um, it, it's, it, honestly, yeah, th- th- this is the right opponent for, for Moxley, and it could be the guy that, uh, that eventually beats Moxley as well, actually. Sai, did you watch this through, or did you fast forward like I did? No, I watched it all the way through as well. It was, it was a typical sort of Moxley match, where he's, he doesn't see, you're right, he doesn't seem to overexert himself when we know he can do so much better, but this seems to be what he's going to be doing over the next couple of months because he's obviously got a deal with both AEW and New Japan, so he seems to be just picking out the guys that he wants to fight for over there. They're coming over and, and having a match. It's, it's rather they don't know what to do with him. Um, he, on paper, he should be at the top of the card most times, but you've got so many talent now in AEW, it's Time's coming where Tony Khan's going to need to do a cut. So there's going to be plenty plenty need to go. Moxley's kind of getting lost in the shuffles. So Xander said this is good. This is probably the best of the rest for him, doing this sort of American taking on the, the Japanese pro wrestlers. So, I mean, the match itself, I mean, was pretty hard hitting, is what you'd expect. But 
afterwards, I, I was like, who is this guy? And I, knew, I knew Xander would know who Suzuki was, but the, the crowd seemed to know who he was, and that was quite surprising to me anyway, that the, the place went apeshit. Um, one thing I will say, right, there's things I like in this pay-per-view, there's things I don't like, which we'll talk about, but they do a very, very good job of catering to a lot of audiences. Mm-hmm. I've been very guilty of saying at AEW, I've been like, there's a lot of flip monkeys, a lot of spot monkeys, where they just have gymnastics matches, and there's some in this pay-per-view, but they do try to cater for everyone. So if you come in wanting to watch CM Punk, you'll have got some ex-WWE guys that might grab your attention. Something like the tag match we're going to talk about, you might have said, oh, that's really good, I really enjoyed that. Something like this Japanese stuff, this sort of style. Again, this might be your bag, this might be what attracts you to go and watch Rampage next week or Dynamite. And again, it's all credit to AEW. I mean, I'll slate them for things, but I think they deserve to get slated. But the Eric Bischoff on his pod always says that wrestling should be a buffet. You should be, there should be something there for most people. And you might not like it all, but you might like 70% of it. You might like 80% of it. And it encourages you to tune in. So fair play to them because that, that is what they seem to do really well. They try and cater for everyone. And I do agree with you, Sai Moxley, who he, he was one of the bigger names at the start. Well, yeah. it's a, yeah. like a kid at Christmas, isn't it? It's like, oh, that was my favourite toy, but now I've got three or four or five or six or seven or eight new things that my favourite toy is now sort of pushed to the side a wee bit. Uh, I do think he'll be back up the top of the card. I mean, there's still plenty of stuff to be done. He, he could mix up with Punk. Uh, he could get back in yeah. the Omega. Uh, he, he'll, he'll, he's one of these guys that's going to be there for a, a long time. I can't see him going back to Vince anytime soon. I think no. he will because the shield money, as I would call it, will still be there. But right now, I think Moxley will be there for a while. So he's probably might be like that Randy Orton guy that maybe moves up and down the card as and when he's needed. Uh, but he seems to be in a feud. I think he's quoted as saying he's in a feud with Japan right now. Don't, mm-hmm. don't quite know why, but it's certainly a style that he, he likes to do. So I, I think one of your favourites is up next, and that's Dr. Britt Baker. Yeah, you're a big fan of hers, aren't you? And she defeated Chris Statla- Statlander. Um, yeah. uh, it won't surprise anyone listening that I skipped this match. I'm no real interest. Although I do hear very, very, very good things about Britt Baker. Um, what yeah, were your sort of rating this match? Oh, it was, it was a decent match. I mean, Statlander's quite, still quite green. She's she's prone to the odd botch, but you'd expect Britt Baker, who's pretty experienced, even though she's she's still. I wouldn't say she's still a relative newcomer, but she's she has still experienced over the last couple of years. She's she's holding this division together, and she's going to get some good backup coming in. And obviously, in the the women's battle royal later on in the division, that's going to help boost it a bit more. But she's just got everything. She's good on the mic. She's she can work as well. Um, she's she's over. That's the thing. She's she is what Becky Lynch should be uh, or should have been when they turned her into this sort of the man gimmick, whereas Britt Baker. She is the man, so um, she can do no wrong. She's just good at everything. I mean, some of the moves she was performing last night was the um, was it the curb stomp into the the lock jaw was just a outstanding finish. I felt for a women's match, you don't often see that. So no, she can hit a curb stomp better than Seth Rollins can. So no, it was it was a good match on the whole. I wouldn't say it was a five star, but it was a solid three out of five. And, and you didn't there was no deal. 
no real threat to her losing this snacking she's going to hold this belt for quite some time I'd imagine Sandra you're a fan of Britt Baker and because I I mean I do I listen to chatter I, I still buy wrestling magazines and stuff and to me I'd say the, the women's division is probably where AEW I'm not going to say is lacking but it's not as strong as certain other divisions but what do you make of Britt Baker overall and did you enjoy this match? Uh, yeah, I think I think Britt Baker's great. Um, she's she's maybe still got a little bit to go with her character a bit, uh, like just to sort of get that that full circle uh, turn around. That's that's really the hard part when it comes to character development. So I'm interested to see where that goes. Um, and I thought this match was fine. I won't be on. I, I will be honest. This is one of those type of matches where I was on my phone a lot of the time just because mm-hmm. I, I agree with I agree with Sai. Uh, Chris Statler Statler does get a long way to go in the ring. Uh, and this this gimmick with the the alien thing. I don't think I've got it since the start. <laughs> since, uh, since she debuted. I, I'm not sure if I really get it. Uh, and, and you know, the com- there, there was one point I think JR was talking about it's the Dennis versus the alien. I can guarantee you in WWE, <laughs> you know, that would have been a lot, that would have looked a lot different in WWE that much. Uh, <laughs> nah, but yeah, I mean, the, the match itself was fine. Obviously, I, I did see the ending of it though where um, Brett Baker hits that part of my sunrise as well, and the crowd went nuts because they yeah. just, you know, where, when she hits that, and then she put in that lock, John, and yeah, she would, she would take the title. It's going to be interesting to see who, who goes after her next now. Um, I, I don't, from, from just recent memory, I don't think anyone's really teased a, an upcoming opponent for her on, on Dynamite or Rampage, so it, it, I will be interested to see where this goes. I see they've obviously signed Ruby Riot or Ruby Soho which we'll talk about in a couple of minutes. Um, but it is, I think, where they're needing some talent and they have an awful lot of talent in the main event now. They've got some big names and if it's something that they made quite a big deal of when they when they launched was the women's division, and I, I do think it needs a wee bit of TLC. Yeah. They'll need to start bringing in some... I don't even know how you would bring in some good talent because it's one... I don't think WWE have let go too many other sort of bigger women wrestlers. So who's a a, a good get, I think, for AEW, as is uh, Thunder Rosa. Thunder Rosa is really popular uh, in in the indie scene, so um, if those are the two that are going to be lined up to uh, to face Britt Baker, it could be a good sort of like end to the year up to sort of March time for for Britt Baker, because she's going to have some good opponents if if those two are in in contention for it. Uh, I suppose we'll touch on their women's well, you as well. Touch on the women's battle royal very soon. Um, right, Sai, let's go. Let's talk about this. Here we go. Spot fest, right? Now, I do not like the Young Bucks. I yeah, have absolutely no interest in the Young Bucks. But I said, okay, this is going to be a big match. It's going to be talked about. It's a cage match. Let's try and watch it. I think I lasted about five minutes. And I got to this part where they started doing. Scottish country dance in the middle of the ring because they whipped each other and then they linked arms and then they spun about and mm. the cage was funny though, wasn't it? That because wasn't. at first, oh. at first, right? I'll be honest, I thought, what have they done with the cage here? Because one of the the Lucha brothers slid out and he was standing on the floor. Like how how is that? I thought they I thought they did the WWE style cage where it sort of comes to the the ring apron yeah. and then. Because at first I was like, oh, somebody can escape that easily, but then I seen it was all the way to the floor, so it's a slightly different thing. Because I noticed that the ropes were quite far away from the the cage as well. 
I don't know if that was by design or, or what, but anyway, um, I'll be honest, I fast-forwarded through lots of this. As I, say, I can't do the, the synchronised dives and the flips and the jumping off the top of the cage while three of us stand here waiting to catch you, and then they brought out trainers with thumbtacks on it, and I was like, oh, and it seemed to go on forever, but Colin wants to give it eight stars. He, he likes all these young bucks, Paul, because they had a Nike Air Max special edition trainer on display, but Si, on you go. You you like all this sort of nonsense as well, don't you? Well, I'm not a fan of the Young Bucks as well, so I, I, but rarely have I seen them have a bad tag match, really. Do you know, it's, they're, just, they're, just, they're not the most likeable of people. I think that's just them in general as well, do you know what I mean? They're, they just come across that sort of arrogant, obnoxious way, and that just makes me hate them even more. But that, you can't deny this. Well, I felt this match was absolutely outstanding. It was... The work that they put in both teams from start to finish was was a definite five star for me, and it'd have been, as you say, six in the Tokyo Dome. But um, there's there's not really much I can complain about this match. Maybe one or two things. The Young Bucks go me the constant super kicks, but that's their gimmick. It's um, that's the way it's going to be with them. I felt there was some good moves with the was it the Avalanche Canadian Destroyer? That was outstanding. That was just, that was. Uh, I, I hate the Canadian Destroyer as a move. I well, think it looks ridiculous. I think if one person does it, then I think who was the first person to really do it? Was it that wee guy that was in TNA, wasn't it? Oh, I can see him now, man. Is it Petey Williams? Is that what you call him? Yeah. I think it was. Remember it? him? Aye, so that's, uh, and I sort of thought, right, okay, it's, it's a bit ridiculous, but I could take it if one guy does it, but then. I've seen everyone do it. Ricky Morton done it, I think, on one of the shows. But sorry, exactly. I cut across you. No, it's, uh, that's like, what I'm saying. That this first time watching the actual event, I said, I actually applauded when they when they done it. That was an outstanding move. And I think was it Nick or Matt? Was what I think it was Nick Jackson. Flat. He took it really hard. So it was just the way he actually took the bump. It made it look as if he'd landed straight in his neck, but it was as if he'd spiked him. But it was ah. Uh, it's one of these unexplainable matches. It's just so hard hitting. There was everything about it. It was high flying. There was wrestling. There was there was the old thumbtack routine as well, which I felt was good when you one of the Lucha Brothers stood in front of the other to take the hit. I felt that was that was good storytelling as well. He was didn't want his brother to take the take the blades to the to the face. And when I mean, you seen at the end of the match, both their masks were completely ripped as if to show that they'd been through that war and. It's one of these matches, and I will. I'm going after we finish recording here today. I'm going to go back and watch it, and that doesn't often happen with me watching wrestling events. I won't go back and watch specific matches, but this is a match I'll, I'll go back and watch. And the the finish I felt was kind of a wee bit sloppy with the, the assisted pile driver they call it, but it was it was I don't know. It was that's the only the only one that let me down. I felt the finish could have been a lot better, like more. More a high impact one, whereas they just kind of sandbagged them, so to speak. So that's my only complaint, but it's still five stars for me. For me, uh, I can under it's one of those things where I can understand why people enjoy it. Right? It's it's not anything like sort of untoward. It's, I can understand why people, especially young people, would enjoy this type of match. Totally get it, but it's just it's not for me. It's like, I remember, when was it been? 98, 99, when I really got into ECW and I thought this is the best thing in the world and 
that are older wrestling fans didn't really like it, and they're looking back and I go, that that really wasn't that good. It, it was. <laughs> I can understand why you now people older than me didn't like it and seen it for what it was. But Xander, where are you? Are you eight stars, five stars, two stars? What, what's your sort of rating and what's your impressions of this match? Because I know I think this one will be quite divisive. Is I think it will split opinion this one. Oh no, yeah, it definitely but split opinion, but I think that's why the Young Bucks are just so good at they're so good at making everyone want to watch their matches to see how ridiculous it gets or how incredible it gets, depending on your view of it. Uh, I think um I, I think they've built that reputation extremely well over the years and, and it makes their matches almost uh, must see. A bit a bit like, you know, watching a a Floyd Mayweather boxing fight, you know, you you're either paying to watch him do what he does best, so you're paying to watch him get knocked out because uh, you hate him so much and I think that the Young Bucks have, have uh, built that really well. Uh, for themselves, and when it comes to this match, I've I've probably got to get I've got to get a five stars as well. I absolutely love the Lucha Bros. I think I think the Lucha Bros have just something about them that the Mysterios on WWE just cannot recreate. Which is ridiculous to say because you know that's actually father and son I'm talking about. And if I believe no, I'm not doing that much research, but I believe these guys aren't actually brothers, right? Should I give it? Yeah. So so like yeah, I I don't know. The, the 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 chemistry with them is is, is absolutely incredible. So um, it's, it's it's why it's why I enjoy them a lot. And when that uh, when that BTE trigger hit as well near the end of the match, when uh, I believe as a as a penta that's that's just all covered in blood through his mask. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Hit the BTE trigger on and he he, he kicks out. Uh, what uh, if 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 he needs something to kick out? That was awesome. That was absolutely yeah. awesome. I uh, thought that they got it there as well. I thought the match was done, and, and that's what we didn't. I didn't want to see them retain. We, we needed something new in that division, so thank God they've done it. Yep, yeah, no, no, absolutely. I, I, I do agree that the finish was a little bit like sloppy and a bit overwhelming, but I, I think that's just because of how amazing the match was. I don't think the finish is ever going to top it. Uh, but but I'm really happy to see the the Lucha Bros have the titles now. Like that 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 should be a a good little storyline going forward, and then we'll I suppose we'll see what the Young Bucks do from here now. I won't answer that question. I'll just move on quickly. Um, <laughs> Christy, Colin loved it. Colin absolutely loved this match. Yeah. It's, just, it's, not, it's not for me. It's not, it's not my bag, as they say. Um, you'd, rather they watch, you'd rather see that than people getting squished with water guns. Do you know what I mean? That's... That, that is fair, mate. That is yep. fair. And, and we will be very, very... Maybe a wee bit more harsh on... SummerSlam because we actually sat and watched it, but we'll, we'll come on to that when we talk about it. Uh, okay, there was a women's battle royal up next. I think I seen the first ten seconds, and then that was a uh, and then it was one of the MGF package. So did anyone watch this? Did anyone enjoy it? No, I only watched the finish. I didn't. I just went straight to the finish. Xander, are you joining us, sexist, or did you actually sit and watch this? I, I watched it when Thunder Rosa was on, and then I watched it until. Ruby Soho debuted and I thought, oh that's quite cool and then yeah that was me, I kind of just went back on my phone after that, <laughs> so, so I'd done for there I mean it was nice to see Ruby Soho win it because I was actually convinced uh, that uh, Thunder Rosa would win just because of the, the reception she got for signing uh, but yeah, g- giving it to the Jokers you know, it wasn't a surprise to me either so uh, yeah, it was, it was whatever that much, it's, it's a battle royal it's hard to make a battle royal 3 out of 5 stars isn't it really, like Ah, it is quite hard to make a battle royal entertaining there, I think. Yeah. It's one of these matches. They're obviously trying to spice it up, but it's, I think everything that you could possibly do in a battle royal has pretty much been done, so it will always be quite difficult to do. Uh, okay, I'll go back to Sai Sai. 
your Canadian hero since Bret Hart retired. It's been Chris Jericho. Yeah. And again, I, I'm on record as saying that I think MJF is the, the best heel in the business. I think he's absolutely outstanding. The well, Jim Cornette's on record as saying the book this feud backwards where they seem to have started with all the chaos and then they're ending with a one-on-one match. Mm-hmm. I love MJF. I do think he's been a wee bit badly booked for the last, well, pretty much since AEW started. I've never really known what to do with them. They put them in with Jericho. But did you get all nostalgic when you seen the countdown and you thought, this is awesome, here he comes, here comes my hero, and then out yeah. comes MJF? That, that's class, man. That is class. Yeah. Good trolling. I even said that when I texted you earlier on. It was, uh, bloody hell, what's that? Troll! Troll! But um, that was a, it was a good wee nostalgic moment hearing that, that countdown again. So I kind of felt that it was going to be MJF um, doing a trolling session, so. It was, um, no, I mean, the entrance was good. Jericho's effect went a wee bit flat due to the effect. He stood with the whole band behind him playing up in the ring, not just the guitarist. So that kind of felt a wee bit flat. But, I mean, the build, the build to this match was, I mean, Jim Cornette, Jimmy, I was about to say, Jim Cornette was um, quite scathing of it, but I've enjoyed it. I mean, you've had the sort of the faction war, you've had a couple other one-on-ones that no went Jericho's way, but obviously you get stuck this time that this is, it would be his last match if he loses and there, there was that sort of dubiety as well it was going to happen or not because you had was it Jericho saying he'll just go back and retire and do that that rampage show and commentate on that weekly so you, you kind of had that fallback where you didn't know if even if he did lose he would probably have ended up coming back anyway but he's got his band Fozzie's band coming up for a, a winter tour and he's got that Jericho cruise as well so it's still still big times for him and the match itself, I mean it was it's typical Jericho. You're not really going to get a really bad match out of him. MGF's a good worker as well and knows how to work a crowd. So no, I, I really enjoyed this one and it did kept me on the edge of my seat from from start to finish really and I liked the fin the false finish and then the, the actual finish itself I thought was was really well done. Sandra we had a wee sort of what do we call it, a fake end to the match when the second referee came out. I thought it was quite good the way that they, they explained. I like when when wrestling explains things and a referee didn't just come running out from the back to to spot this bit of cheating and never done it the whole night, but they gave reason because was it some some people were out fighting who uh, Swagger or Hager, whatever he's called, and, and Wardlow were out which brought the other referee out, so I like the way they sort of said that the referee had a reason to be there. He didn't just decide to, to wander out and be a good Samaritan. What was your thoughts on this and, and how much of a troll is MGF? Because I, I think he is absolutely fantastic. I think he's the best here in wrestling. Uh, uh, MGF smashing. Um, and, and he's, he's still at an incredibly young age. Well, I, think, I think he's going to be my age, actually, I'm pretty sure. Which is insane. Yeah. Well, right. Yeah. Like, ah, uh, 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 he's he's abs- he's awesome. He's awesome. He's, he's absolutely awesome. And um, these days, sometimes on Twitter, maybe think about something before he tweets it. Sometimes, uh, he's had a, he's had a bit of a hurdle sometimes. Um, but, but other <laughs> than that, I, I, I think he's absolutely great. And um, what one of my what one of my favourite matches that I like to go back and watch a lot of the time was um, Cody versus Dustin at the first ever All In. Uh, because that match is a lot. That match is sort of like. This is our life. 
uh, going through all of Dusty's old moves and uh, going through the, their own moves and stuff, having that brother versus brother thing, I thought that was really really good, uh, and, and I love I love that type of story in the ring. And the story for this match, I also thought was Chris Jericho, this is your life, and we're going to just wrestle this out. Uh, and I really really enjoyed that because it, it really did feel like this may be it for Chris Jericho, and he's going to go and pass the torch now because Jericho for years has also been a fantastic heel. Uh, one of the best in probably WWE, and uh, and he, he was great in WWE, but he's never really got got that momentum going uh, annoyingly. Uh, so uh, it generally felt like he was just going to pass that torch over to MGF, and we were going to see this like the big bastard uh, be be that sort of upper mid card type of guy now uh, until he gets another shot there uh, some of the titles. But yeah, seeing seeing Paul Turner run down the ring uh, to tell Aubrey Edwards that there actually was a road break, and then the crowd just go nuts because the match has mm-hmm. restarted and all that, like, pure wrestling to get into that wall to Jericho, and then MGF finally taps out. That was a very, very good ending to that match. I really yeah. enjoyed that. Yes, it was something different. Um, Jericho, I think he still needs to drop a dress size of two. Don't know if the, the Jericho crews will help with that, but it is what it is. I don't really think MGF was harmed by, by the defeat. He can come out and say that he had him beat and he was awarded it in the match and never even restarted, so... That is absolutely perfect for a heel. We move on to my main event of the evening. The returning saviour, CM Punk, defeats Darby Allen. Um, I thought this was a match of the night. It was my sort of match. It was telling a story. It told of the, the old guy coming back. He had all the tricks of the trade. I loved the little setup from the coffin drop. And then he just used Darby Allen's speed against him. And I, I'd say I, I loved the story it told. I think Darby Allen has done no harm by this defeat. I don't think it was a squash or anything like that. CM Punk gave him lots and lots of offence. Sai, CM Punk debuted new tights. I don't think I've ever seen him in these long tights. I've seen him in sort of basketball shorts. I've seen him in his UFC stuff. I've seen him in trunks. What do you make yeah. of this look and what do you make of this match overall? Yeah, it certainly gave a new edge to him and, and I suppose more, make him more appealing to the sort of modern fans that they're, they're trying to bring in, but I mean, it's a typical CM Punk match. It didn't look rusty at all. I mean, they kind of teased it for the first couple of minutes where Darby was doing the hammer lock, working on working the arm and stuff. But you can't really complain at all about this match. It, it done what it said from start to finish. It told the story. It, it introduced Punk to the world AEW. It introduced probably Darby Allen as well to eyes that hadn't been seen him because a lot of people don't probably been tuning in last night for the first time and I know a lot of people were sort of doubting him, saying oh, he's too small this, he's too small that, but I mean, he's had some of the best matches in the company since he's joined and he's held the TNT title as well he's had that great tag match a couple of months ago at the sort of cinematic match with Sting in uh, a tag match as well against, is it Cage and Ricky Starks as well, so he really has a bad match, and this is another one where he came off looking, looking great as well. Punk's going to push on now, you'd imagine, unless they do like a sort of, I don't know, could, I don't know, Punk could go with Sting, could that be one the next match? No, I'm not, not sure, side, no. Side well, of booking the, the seniors tour, but he would book Ric Flair and Sting next week for <laughs> Dynamite if he could, but well, no, side. No, I, I don't know if that's the way it'll go, but I don't think it will. You might get Punk and Darby Allen teaming up, maybe for a one-off match against someone. But it was it was well done. It was Punk. I felt he done when last week was on 
rampages down the GTS. It looked quite sloppy, but it came off really well last night. So, no, there's no complaints at this match. It's, it's introduced Punk back to the wrestling world. It eased them back in. Darby's a good worker. Punk's a good worker as well. And you could see some of the, the sort of nods you, I mentioned to you in the, the chat earlier on. It was a kind of Bret Hart sort of style match where every, every move told a story and led to the next move, something else. So, And you can see that's where CM Punk's, that's one of his inspirations is Bret Hart. So that's a sort of put him in my, he's in my good books now. So I'll look forward to his next match with interest. But I would say, who, who does he feud with next? That's the is it going to be? I think it's on paper it should be NGF. I mean, that would be a good heart-hitting promos. I mean, if you can let the two of them have free reign in, in each other, that would be good. It's, it's a good way to introduce them back. And I think Darby is probably hand-picked by Punk. I, th- I think Punk, perhaps without having it written down, will very much have creative control over his character and what he does and what he says. I think Darby Allen is one of these guys that anybody that's ever listened to me on a wrestling pod will know that I'm not a fan of the gymnastics and the, the, the floor routines and all this. But when Darby does dives, I believe he's doing them because he he's just one of these absolute maniacs. We've seen the sort of jackass-style stuff. We've seen he does extreme sports and all that. And even his coffin drop, that looks so, so resentful when he does it. So he's not doing dives just for the sake of it, you know what I mean? He's not doing it so it looks pretty. He's doing it to try and hurt his opponent to win a match. And a couple of times, like, I think Punk used that against him and stuff. So I, I thought it worked well. I thought it served a purpose. Sandra, you're young. You're the youngest podder, I think, that kicks about. Perhaps young Ross maybe rivals you now. I don't know what the age difference is there. But what what are your thoughts on Punk's comeback and, and Darby Allen? Because... The one thing I will say about AEW is sometimes they don't do enough. Like, you've got a guy dressed as a dinosaur, right? Why does he dress like a dinosaur? I don't think it's ever been explained. <laughs> but they have sort of, they've told us, like, Darby Allen's into this. This is his sort of, this is what he does as a, a hobby, if you want to call it that, as a pastime, and this is what he's into. And they sort of built up the character a wee bit. They've not done that with everyone. But what's your thoughts on sort of like Darby Allen in general and, and this match? I thought I thought Darby was really really great in this match. Um, I, I can't I can't even imagine how nervous he'd be uh, right before your music hits that you're about to go out there and go one on one with a guy who's not been in the ring for seven years that literally every wrestling fan's been crying to come back. Uh, I can't I can't even imagine that immense pressure that he uh, that he would have had there. But I, I, I think I think he took on his stride and he done extremely well here. Um, I imagine maybe Sings gave him a few words or two uh, facing best in the world. You know, I mean he had. So many matches with Ric Flair, so he he understand what's, uh, what we've gone through. He said, uh, and what w- what what I really loved about this match was the amount of times that Darby got out of the GTS, or the times where um, Darby also moved out of the way of uh, some of Punk's, you know, like sort of classic move sets, and then Punk would do the same with Darby. It was almost as if these guys actually studied each other right before this match, and I, I, I like to see that. I, I like to see people just doing their homework uh, as such. Uh, and, and and from start to finish, I thought this match. I thought this match was as good as you can get for someone who's literally not done it for seven years. Uh, I, I thought that was. I thought it was really really good from both guys. Um, I will say though, I wish he'd done the Pepsi plunge to win the match. I, I think that will come. Aye, I, 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 I hope it does. Smart I, enough, I right? Pepsi plunge. Absolutely hmm. love that move. Uh, but I mean, G- GTS is still still cool as fuck anyway. So I, I think. I think Punk is smarter enough 
and something what I've been critical of AEW and things like the Young Bucks is they do every single thing every single night. And I think Punk is smart enough to go, okay, I'll get so far off just talking, I'll get so far off one match, and then I think he'll eventually break out the short trunks again. And then, as you say, he's got moves like the Pepsi Plunge and stuff to use. So I think he'll drip feed it. We know he's not here. I think he's full-time, but I don't think it'll be like a five-year deal or something. I think it'll be maybe a two-year deal. Uh, I don't know dates. Punk was very coy when asked on the the media scrum after his debut. He said he don't want to know how the sausage is made. And I think that's fine. Mm. And I'm not just saying that because it's Punk. I think sometimes when you have someone like Brock Lesnar who people know is contracted for, or Goldberg for sort of negative aspect of it, when you know you've only got two dates or three dates, then you can sort of print, pretty much guess of what's going to happen and when he's going to be there and what's going to happen with titles and stuff. So, nah, I'm all for it. And nah, I think eventually we'll see Punk, whether he turns heel and goes back to short trunks and stuff like that. It's, it's something that he's got in his bag. It's, it's just something he's not sure as everything, but he's certainly sure as enough that he can still go and... I'm a user under that. I like it when it looks as if it's a contest. It looks as if they've had to study each other. And I think it was a Colin that put in our chat the other day that so far this year, AEW have only done 16 rematches and WWE's done like 160. It, it just goes to show you that sort of the talent that they've got. And it's, I say, it's another reason to have it, go for that sports based presentation and go for that. Things like studying opponents and studying moves and how to counter moves. I just love all that stuff. That was the sort of stuff that I really enjoyed when I first started watching wrestling. And Si, you remember this as well when somebody was injured and somebody would come in and get a title shot. The heel would always say that he didn't have a chance to prepare for him because he wasn't expecting yeah. to face him. And it's just stuff like that. It's just the, the wee things, but it is what it is. We'll never ever be able to put the shampoo back in the bottle, as they say, but. No, I, I did. I was a big fan of this match. They only went out to the floor for a, a, a couple of minutes, and it, yeah. it wasn't even like they were going through tables and stuff like that. It was quite simply a lot. Of it was just to like, break up the, the match and stuff. So no, this one was all good for me. This one might be our quickest review of the night. The, the former Big Show, Paul White, had a match. I skipped it because I've seen enough Big Show matches to last me a lifetime. Xander, <laughs> did you watch this? Were you so glad to see? Big Show Paul White back and the, one of the only criticisms right, I, I say this pay-per-view is not I don't think this is like the best one ever or anything like that, I don't think it's the be-all and end-all yeah. I understand why some would but it's not all for me and one of the small criticisms I would have was they put uh, CM Punk, who's just coming back after seven years out, back at, back to back with the Big Show's match, back-to-back with Christian Cage's match, who have all pretty much come back to wrestling in the last couple of months. It's just, it doesn't give you a unique story to tell, but, Sander, did you enjoy Paul White's return to the ring and his, I think it was a three-minute match, which is probably two and a half minutes too long? <laughs> I thought, it, it, it was, um, it, I think I think we all predicted that QT Marshall was just going to get absolutely manhandled here by Paul White. Uh, who I think at least turned heel and face about 14 times during this match. Um, I had some, had some way that textbook chokeslam. Um, if, if, honestly, I, I would, I would not envy the person that would have to like go back and watch every single one of his matches to see how many times he put a chokeslam at somebody. Uh, but I hits that chokeslam, gets that win. Uh, I think maybe this is one of the matches they sort of realised they might have been running for time a bit and wanted to get the, 
the main event sometime as well, especially with what happens after the main event. So, uh, so I, it, it was a, it was a whatever match. If, if it gets weighted, it'll be like a two star, maybe, just because it, it didn't harm anybody. QT Marshall was always gonna, uh, job out. Everybody knew that. So, it was I, it was whatever. Sorry, I can't, I don't really understand the big show signing. It might have been one of those things that look good. When you had the chance, you go to sign yeah. a bit of like, Let's go with Rangers, right? Let's go and Rangers sign Nico Cranchar. It was he was a really good big star one time, but now the knees have gone, and I think more than the knees have gone on the big show. Did you rate this match? Did you rate it, or did you just quite simply forget all about it the minute it finished? Yeah, forget all about it. It was one of those linking you'll miss it sort of matches. So typical big show match, power moves, quick interference, and then this. The chokes aren't they finished? So, nah, it, was, it served its purpose. Big Show will probably go back now, behind the, the microphone for a couple of months, and then they'll have his next, his next match. There's nothing really for him long term in ring. When he's doing his sort of commentary gig with Tony, that's, that's what he's good at now. So, I would keep him at that and roll him out maybe for special once a year, like we got last night. There's no, there's no need to see him every other week. I think the Big Show's always a good guy to have. Let's see if he's a battle royal. Mm-hmm. Everything's been done, but I think it's always good if you see a battle royal and you see a giant in it. Because you always get that spot where they all try and link together to beat the giant, and then eventually... it's always, I always think it's good to make someone. If someone, whether it be one person, let's say, for example, in a year's time, you've got a battle royal, and then Wardlow is the one to eliminate Big Show. I always think that looks good on a CV... The, the sort of deal spot in, in, in the rumble. So I always think it's good to have a giant on your books for then. But apart from that, I've, I've no real interest in seeing the big show in 2021. But you could say that for the last 20 years as well. But uh, <laughs> right, we'll move on to the main event. And again, I will be honest, I skipped it. People will be like, oh, why are you skipping the main event? I, I don't really like Kenny Omega, Christian Cage. I, I quite like Christian when he went to TNA. Um, I, thought, I thought it was quite good there, but He's just there, isn't he, Christian? Sorry, he's just—he's one of these guys. It's probably brilliant to have in your company. He's probably good to have in the ring with you. But to me, he's just sort of always going to be Edge's friend, and that might be harsh on him. He's probably a really nice guy himself, but he's always going to be Edge's number two. And uh, I know he beat um, Omega for the the Impact TNA, whatever you want to call it, world title, and that was sort of meant to mm-hmm. cast out on could he go two for two, but what, what were your thoughts? I've I seen the end of this match, but that was really yeah. about it. No, I, I, was, I was kind of the same, I was just zoned in and out, I was too busy in the back room on my phone or whatever, but I don't, was the TNA title on the line on this one? Was it? I don't know. It was no. the AEW world title. So it was, both, it was only the one, so I thought both would have yeah. been on, um, on the line, but it was, I mean, Kirsten's a good worker at the best of times. I mean, he doesn't really have many bad matches. So it's Pete Omega's Omega. He, he's not the best on the mic, but he's a really good worker as well. And he is good in, in ring ability. There's no denying that. And the finish, I felt, was, was really good. The one ring of the angel for the top rope. So, no, nah, I couldn't have too many complaints about that match. It wasn't a classic, but I mean, it served its purpose to, to get Omega his win back. But I'd imagine this might go a bit further. Um, maybe with Christian because they'll probably want the the tight the TNA title back on Omega as well. I don't know. I I mean I I don't watch it as often as you do, but to me I think it strikes as you would rather have 
somebody else carrying the TNA belt while a Christian drops it to one of their heels. Yeah. I couldn't even tell you it was in TNA, right? But I think it's quite a good one if, if they get a, their next heel was to beat Christian for the belt. I think that's quite a good gimme. Uh, Xander, you, you're one of these crazy people that watches things like Impact Wrestling, stuff like that. What was your thoughts? And, and in fact, how would you take the belt off Christian? Because I can't imagine he would have it long term. Um, ah, see, that, that's really the thing is like if um, if AEW and Impact want to sort of keep that that friendly relationship going, I think Christian Cage is really that type of guy that you you want to be doing both shows and have at least one title on him. And I don't think it should be the AEW title. I think it should be the Impact title. Uh, I, I I don't know why, but when he when he has that belt on, I think it just suits him. I think I think when I look at Christian, I think he he does suit that Impact title and suits being that top guy in like the fourth biggest promotion in America. So um. So yeah, I I don't really know at at, at this point right now who we take it off him. And that's, that's that's a real good question. There there are maybe a few candidates, but not not like anyone that I would say he needs to do it like next month or something. I would I would say Christian Cage needs to hold that for quite a bit. Uh, in terms of this match itself, though, um, crowd crowd is a bit flat for it, and you can't you can't blame them. The the, the show overall was fantastic before this match show, and you can't really you can't really be in the crowd for just sort of being like. This is gonna have another half an hour in it, so let's let's hang on a bit here for it. Um, and and it was it was a classic Omega match as well. You had like your your top built Frankenstein, or there were one winged angel attempts, there were V trigger attempts. Like it was your, your classic match, and, and I'm a huge fan of Omega. I like to, you know, on Wednesday nights I like to stay up late. So <laughs> uh, it was, uh, I, I I quite I quite like Omega, um, and and of course. And, and I, I get what you mean, by the way, when he says that he's um, he's always just a second to Edge. Like I would I would say, coming down to a pure wrestling standpoint, uh, Christian beats Edge every single yeah. day of the week. But with character and might work and everything it takes to become like a WWE superstar, basically, yeah, Edge wins that. And, and, and you saw it. That's why Christian was never at the top for that much, and Edge has been at the top basically his whole career. Uh, but but no, I, I thought I thought this match was absolutely fine. Kerry picked up a little bit near the end, and then we we saw the one-winged angel to, to get the win, and I gave uh, Christian Cage, I believe, his first loss in AEW now, uh, to still stay champion, and then, of course, everything that happened in the post-match. They say that if you have a bad show but finish it well, people will tend to remember the last bit and be a wee bit more kind to you when they're giving out ratings. Uh I've got to be honest, Sai, I think this is probably one of the best ends to pay-per-view I've seen in a while. Yeah. We, For anyone that's not watched it, the, the elite standing in the ring, and I'm sorry, but there's very few things better than wrestling than you have a heel standing in the ring, running his mouth off, saying, I've beaten everybody, no one can beat me, and then the lights go out or somebody's music hits. It's, it's wrestling yeah. 101. It's so basic, but it's absolutely brilliant. Um, and I think most people were perhaps thinking Daniel Bryan would come out or Brian Danielson, and I'll call it now. JR is going to have an absolute night for that. <laughs> JR, who who for years couldn't tell the Hardy Boys apart, and and I think now he's getting in grief. Who was he getting mixed up or saying wrong? What was he saying uh, wrong? And he he called him Ruby Riot. He called him Big Show. Big Show, aye. So he's so done that a few times. He's so going to have to. He's going to have to learn how to say Brian Danielson, and that is going to kill him. I think most people were expecting him to come out, but sigh, the lights go out and out comes Adam Cole, baby. Yeah, 
So yeah. Yeah. surprised he jumped or were you expecting him to? I knew I knew he was going, but I didn't think it would be this soon. I, I think he he's one of these guys as well. I think this ultimately in the long run might be the wrong decision to have him be because we we know those of us have seen the sort of skits before and his work up in Japan, whatever else he's, we knew that he was linked to Omega and the Elite the sort of bullet club sort of stuff as well. So it's um I felt he could have stayed away through this sort of storyline for a while, but it, it served its purpose. It's put him back straight as one of the top heels, and and that's going to be a good feud eventually when that all blows up as well. You're going to have Cole v Omega as well at one point, and as you say, you've still got Adam Page to come back, and he's going to get right involved, and you, you're probably going to see Cole and Omega against Danielson and um, Danielson and Page at some point as well. So that that's going to be. Some good matches and a good team up. Danielson and Page will, you imagine them teaming up, the fans would just, they would love that. And Page, when he comes back, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be, I think they'll make him eventually. This is this should have been his year, but these two signings have really threw it off. And I think his wife or something's having having children as well just now. So he's took a few months off, and that's probably the good thing. He took the beating, he's going to recharge his batteries. And so when you think that Danielson's getting the beat down, and uh, whoever else is getting beaten up by, by Cole and the elite page can make the save and that thrusts him back into that main event slot. So it's going to be a good few months ahead for him. Cole, I feel it didn't really need to, to be aligned with him. I can see why they've done it. I wouldn't have done it myself personally because he's, he's, he's a big enough star not to, to need uh, to be a henchman really for, for Kenny Omega this time. But it was good to see him come out at a good pop. And you knew that right away it was going to be a heel because he came out of the heel tunnel, the tunnel way that they've got at the entrance ramp. He came out of that side and that's when you kind of knew that, that everything wasn't as it seemed. Uh, again, for those who haven't watched it, he's running his mouth, out he come. Omega, I should say, he's running his mouth. The lights go out, out comes Adam Cole. Everybody's expecting to be a, a challenge and... The next challenger's there, but then they all hug and the young bucks kiss them and they all say, oh, we've been pals for years. And just at that point, out comes Daniel Bryan, Brian Danielson, whatever you want to call it. I understand, Xander, why they, they sort of done the thing with Adam Cole, because I think if you've got so many signings in a short period, you need to put someone to the heel side. doesn't need to be top heel, but you need to have more heels and he was never going to be a number one or number two with Brian and Punk coming in. So, yeah, are you happy enough that Cole's jumped? Because, again, you are a wrestling expert. You're the one that actually watches the, the product. You probably watch NXT. I know your dad was a big fan for a good while, and he he would watch NXT every week. But what's your thoughts on Adam Cole for me? I know you're probably going to stink. Uh, it's a bit small for me. I think that's probably what's held him back, and that's probably why he decided to make the jump because he was never ever going to get on in NXT which is something we're going to do a show about in a, in a week or so about how they're going through a sort of change in direction and they're looking for, for monsters again and Adam Cole's a great worker he's a great talker but he's not a monster is he? No he's, he's not he's not the biggest gentleman no but um, but I, I, other than that though I think he has everything else and the, and the, the issue that he ran into in NXT was that he actually just Ran into a dead end. He'd face everybody. He had, um, he was champion uh, for the longest time. Uh, uh, they done the, 
they've done the Undisputed Era breakup and then he, he faced pretty much all of them. I mean, Bobby Fish is, is far too injury prone, so you can really get that storyline through, but he got through World Strong and then he had those amazing matches with Kyle O'Reilly at the end. Uh, and, and after that, it was either you jump up to Raw or SmackDown or you, or you go. And then he, and he chose, he chose a second option because it was the better option. Uh, like, Raw right now, absolutely not. Like, there's no way you can ruin him on Raw. Uh, and SmackDown, like, he was never going to be the, the main guy there because there is already a main guy there and he's the main guy for a while. So, to jump to AEW is probably the best idea. And he, he, he had to be pally with the Elite because I, I believe it was around, like, January time this year that uh, Tony Khan said he's a, he's a big, big fan of the Being the Elite YouTube channel. And they'll have a lot of fun with Adam Cole on Being the Elite. For a while, so he, he had to join them again uh, and and have have those sort of laughs again because they did they did five years ago five five four years ago they were having all those laughs before and then they done the oh he's dead sort of angle and then they they, they ran with jokes for that for ages and now he's finally back so um, that that'll be a lot of fun as well yeah on being the elite for people to watch that as as long as uh, as well as dynamite and and rampage but Brian Danielson joining as well like I mean talk about up in the stakes here. Uh, in terms of in terms of quality in your product for both Dynamite and Rampage, and, and when we spoke about like what you do with Punk and Danielson uh, coming to AEW, I, I actually mentioned that you should put Punk on one show and then Danielson on the other, like uh, one on Dynamite and one on Rampage, make those shows feel a bit different because one of them is going to because Rampage will either feel like Dynamite light or Dynamite's going to feel like Rampage light because they're just going to feel like the same show really, and one's just going to be better than the other, or, or fans will choose. Which one's better than the other? Like, kind of, SmackDown was just decided that it was worse than Raw for ages, uh, even though it was the exact same show. So, uh, I, I, I hope, I hope there is a little bit of difference in, in the shows that way now that you've got three, I would say, mega stars now on your show that you want to try and, um, you want to try and all give decent runtime with and decent pushes for, even though there are only two belts in that company. And I would keep the two belts. I think one thing that's wrong with wrestling and, in a library full of things that are wrong with wrestling there's far too many belts and uh, that's a pause for another day in itself when this old man shouts at clouds but right Sai let's get to the ratings now we will be a normal five star rating system what would you give this pay-per-view overall well if it was out of ten I was going to go right all the way up to the top enough so we'll go four and a half if it's out of five so no there wasn't much really that I, I disliked about it Maybe the, the women's battle royal kind of dragged the card down a wee bit, but apart from that, four and a half for me. I ain't quite ever let me up, Matt. And Xander, what would your rating out of five be for this? Honestly, guys, I'm going to go with a five out of five. I, I, I thought this show was was awesome. I, I thought it was absolutely great from top to bottom, even though there were some stuff that I decided to miss myself because I was on my phone. Like, you know, you said yourself, Kev, there's something for everybody on this show, and I think those are what makes a show go from four out of five to five out of five, I think, when there's at least one wrestling fan, at least that one stingy wrestling fan, they can turn this show on and at least watch either one match or two matches or even watch a segment in there. I think that makes it just a perfect show. It might not be completely perfect for you, but for the wider audience, it's um, that, that, you know, that, that's the winner, that's the key. So I'm going to go with a five out of five. I'll, I'll give a four. I'll say um, oh. by far not not the biggest AEW fan uh, very critical of some of the things they do but one thing I'll, I will say is right now they have set the wrestling world they, they've made it relevant again they've brought back Punk they've brought in Brian Danielson 
they have got eyes on the product and they are very much challenging WWE. They're, they've got that vibe. I said to you boys earlier today in the chat, they've got that anything can happen vibe yeah. where a lot, you, you need to watch to see what's going to happen. And feel like I've said throughout this, I might not like the Young Bucks. So I'm not saying I'm going to sit and watch two hours of Dynamite or whatever it is, but I, I'm tuning in to watch the punk things. Now, if I leave that on in the background, there might be something else I like. That, that's why it's there. That's why they've signed PCM Punk to get eyes on their product. Um, I, I don't really think we'll get anything else to add. I'd say it'll be interesting. I think the next pay-per-views are Saturday night, which will certainly be a lot easier for us in the, in the old UK. That will make us be able to stay up late and watch it, but it will be interesting to see where we go from here. It's, it's left us with lots of questions and, and lots of reasons to tune in, but we will now, and I don't think this one will take as long, we will now shift quickly over at SummerSlam, which was a couple of weeks ago. Si, you had the pleasure of my company, uh, James yep. Forrest, and Colin spread about most of the night. He, he nodded <laughs> off towards the end. Um, but I'm going to be honest, I've probably forgotten more about this pay-per-view than I can remember. And yep. started off with RK Bro versus uh-huh. AJ and Omos. Do you remember this match? Thoughts? Uh- uh, a, a wee bit. I mean, it was a good opener at the time, and you've got that sort of arcade bro. They're the kind of, I wouldn't say a comedy act as such, but they've, they've got a bit of momentum behind them, and the fans were, were right into the match, and it served its purpose. And Omos and AJ Styles were kind of, it's that sort of Shawn Michaels Diesel sort of routine as well, but it's, the time had came for them to, to drop the titles, and, and this is a good wee one for, gives Orton something to play with just now before they drop it and they're inevitably probably feud against each other. I could probably see that one going all the way through to WrestleMania, to be honest with you. So, yeah, it's much of a muchness, really, with the Raw Tag titles. Xander, have you ever seen this story before? Totally different partners team up and are actually quite successful. I don't, I don't think we've seen it in 20 minutes. And <laughs> WWE, they've been doing it ever since I've been watching wrestling. Sai summed it up perfectly when he said that AJ Styles is a Shawn Michaels to, to almost as Diesel. What's your thoughts on these pairings? I mean, I still don't like the birds coming out of Riddle's shoes or flip-flops when he kicks them off. I think it's ridiculous, but you're young. Do you like birds coming out of people's shoes? Hmm. Not particularly, no, because it doesn't make any fucking sense, Kev. <laughs> uh, I don't... I, do, do, you know, do you know what always bugs me with these massive pay-per-views, like the big pay-per-views that we do as well? As those... Stupid, like ridiculous, um, like three D graphic thing. Oh, they're awful. And the entrance, like that big massive <laughs> thing that only you're gonna see as a viewer on screen. Like, I don't ever remember a kid or whatever, like on social media, ever going, "Oh, you know, what I would love to see <laughs> with Alexa Bliss coming out that big massive fuck off doll as a as a three D print." Like, why? Why would you want to see that? Why do you want to see a massive viper? On your screen, that's that's all like rendered and looks terrible because they have an awful an, an awful graphic design team. Like, why? Who wants to see that? Nobody ever asked that. I, I don't know. I, I don't know where that came from. I, I can understand some things when like it's not for me at all, and, and they are a bit childish. I can understand that if maybe like, oh, this would work for children. This doesn't work though. I've never seen it once where someone goes or or someone said on like on like Twitter or something like, oh, my kid really enjoyed that. Like nobody says that because nobody enjoys it. It's it's really daft. Uh, but to, to talk about to talk about the match itself, I thought I thought the match was quite alright. Um, Autumn and Riddle are surely going to turn on one another uh, at some point or another. It, it, it's just destined. It, it, it's Randy Orton's call, and he's the best at it. 
uh, I would say, uh, him and the Miz are just the best at turning around their, their partners, I would say, so um, I think, I, I think this will, they probably delayed it a bit now, with, with them putting the, uh, the belts back on them, but I think it is, I think it is whatever, I, and I quite like what they do with them, um, with Styles and Omos, because Omos is clearly very green in the ring, so they just have Styles, Styles do all the work and they make Omos just look like that big bastard, that sort of like, <laughs> you know, early 90s taker, where you can't really put the guy in the, in the ground and stuff, because he's just that big, so I, 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 don't, I don't mind that as a wee pairing. They're going to push him as well, that's the thing, he will get pushed, he's going to get a big one over the next couple of months, I'd imagine that they're going to try and make him a sort of new diesel, uh, over the next couple of months, I'd imagine. Hopefully this was better than Diesel. <laughs> <laughs> um, the the graphics you were talking about it reminded me of when movies first discovered green screens and everything was done on green screen and it was fine at Hollywood at the very very top end. But like you say, I think the Viper's all right, but the Roman Reigns one looks absolutely terrible. Mm, that, that looks oh, terrible. It's something that. <laughs> Some they'll come back and watch in like ten years and go, oh, oh Jesus, remember they were doing that. It's a bit like now when you watch back and they're talking about tout. Remember they, they try to get everyone to tout it out and stuff like that, and you're like, ah, that that was a mistake there, lads. You probably should have done that. Um, but hey ho. Uh, next up we had Alexa Bliss versus Eva Marie with Dewdrop. Three minutes and fifty seconds is probably about the the right match time. Anyone, Xander, you quite like this stuff. You like this. Alexa Bliss is a demon possessed and she's got a magic doll that does things and we pretend that nobody knows who Dewdrop is even though she was on NXT UK <laughs> and is widely known as sort of a woman wrestler from Glasgow. Did you enjoy this match? Can you remember it or do you, have you blanked out because they've fought seven times since then? I because it was quite a late at night this match and my, my, my dad and Joe were sleeping so I had to actually uh, I'd actually say he's quite responsible when you're laughing out loud at this. I thought it was absolutely hilarious this much. Gen- genuinely, that, that's what I love about it. I love that Alexa Bliss has clearly been given an absolutely awful script and an awful character, and she just thought, Do you know what? Fuck it then. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna take the right piss with this. I remember everyone was absolutely screaming and bawling at that, um Raw finish they did with Shayna Baszler. It was mm-hmm. like, it's now been touted as one of the worst, like, endings to Raw ever. That's hilarious to me, because because they know it's shit. Of course they know it's shit, they're not dumb, you know what I mean? So they're just going to make it as shit as possible, because because they, they want the reaction, they want that reaction, so that they can get something better. Because, uh, cause, you know, fans will be saying, oh, they deserve better, and, and whatever, and that's, you know, how we got a women's, women's revolution in the first place. Uh, but nah, this match was, this match was terrible. Even Marie, for as long as she's been away, has clearly somehow got worse in the ring. Uh, and, and this sort of, um, turn for, uh, Dewdrop, where she, or, I'm just gonna call people a Niven, because that's a fucking terrible name. The turn for Piper, uh, was, was quite good. The, the crowd actually had a wee decent reaction there, because I think the crowd understand, like, she really should be doing better than Eva Marie. Uh, so, I, I'm, I'm actually somewhat looking forward to seeing what, uh, what she does. Hopefully she gets her name back, and, and that she goes on to have a, an alright wee singles run on, uh, on Raw. Sai? Can you remember us do, watching this match, or were we just about eating our pizza and chips at this point? It was, it was horrific. It was, I don't like that gimmick at all, and it just does nothing for me. And even Marie, as you say, she can't wrestle at all, so hard pass for me. It was uh, not even a one star. Hey, all right, we'll move on swiftly. Uh, Damien Priest beat Sheamus. Uh, Side, do we remember this match? Damien Priest 
think we thought that thing was all right. Seamus yeah. is one of these guys, and they've said before, is probably good to have on your roster. He he can be in the main event. He can be in tags. He can do everything. Yeah, I mean, stand out. Yeah, no, Seamus is a good good worker at the best of times, and they've got a sort of what well, must be Vince has obviously got high things going on for Priest. He seems to be pushing up the card now. He had the big high profile match at WrestleMania with, with Bad Bunny on his side, so it's, it seems as if it's an upward trajectory for him, and he's, he's going to have a good run with us. And then I don't know, he could he could end up being one of the next challengers for, for Bobby Lashley down the line because. There's not many other people uh, really challenging him just now, apart from like, Drew, and, and he seems to have they've, they've botched him. They've absolutely botched his sort of... I mean, that that's just endemic at WWE in general. They just botch any major star they've got. Drew's... They've totally messed him up. Becky Lynch forced her down out of his throats. Now when she comes on, I can't stand to see the sight of her when she comes on the screen anymore, so... Nah, it's um, it's something that they've they've really got to turn around quickly because fans are turning the channel and it's not just us oldies saying it, it's younger fans as well who have learned up 18, 19 onwards. They're, they're wanting something a bit more edgy. They don't want to be seeing dolls doll running about and fake fucking 3D shit and whatever else. <laughs> I mean, it's just... Again, I could go on a rant all night about this, but back to Damien Priest, he's he's one of the shining lights now, so I hope that he can do good things over the next couple of months, but to be honest, I don't have any faith in those that are booking the, the crap that they've got now, so I wouldn't be surprised if he's feuding with some jobber for the new day in a couple of months. Hey, I want to skip forward because... <laughs> I want to be honest, I don't really think that we're loving this pay-per-view, right? <laughs> AEW, at least, we all enjoyed something. We got to talk about things we like, but uh, the Usos, who I think have done quite good work. Yeah. And they've they've touched, had touches with the law, but overall, I think they are, they are what they are, and they beat Xander's second favourite Mexican team and the Mysterios <laughs> in 10 minutes and 50 seconds, and uh, anything to write home about, or should we go into the, the woman just, uh, <laughs> or should I say the, the woman getting absolutely botched by the WWE? Um, the, the only thing really to say about this match was that it was a classic Usos match. Um, I can't remember the last time they really put on like a bad match. They, 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 are, they are good workers in the ring. Uh, and of course, they've got this awesome new storyline going uh, in, in the bloodline again. So, um, one thing that they'll look out for in this match was that um, there was like a segment heading up to this match where Rey Mysterio talked about uh, how, he, how he apologises for what happened on like SmackDown because you know they had this match on SmackDown because WWE can't write anything fucking else uh, and and it was Rey Mysterio that cost him the match uh, and and Dominic get really angry at him and stuff and he says that it won't happen again and he he done it again at SummerSlam so it might be teasing a wee break up there as well at some point. I think they will probably have to book Father versus Son, but if they're clever, well, if they don't botch it totally, that'll be a WrestleMania match. Uh, Dominic's yeah. another one they've botched, so that's, this time last year he was on fire, and he just did a great match with Rollins, and now he's floundering around, he's never been, oh, there's no point in getting on about it. <laughs> it's perhaps a show, and the three of us will do it, and we'll talk about the state of WWE because there have been a lot of high-profile releases and it's not releasing somebody that hasn't been on TV for a year and a half. 
it's releasing somebody that was a main event a month before. Yeah. It's releasing somebody that you're releasing a ton of merch for coming up in two mm-hmm. weeks. It's it, it's there's no rhyme or reason to it, but again, that's a, a show further down the line that we could spend hours and hours talking about. Uh, right. I was going to say, before we go on to the next match, I was looking through the, the Wikipedia sort of like, timeline of this event, and that after this Usos match, this is what happens. It says, following, following this, a brief segment then occurred when Rick Boogs, playing the entrance theme of WWE Intercontinental Championship, Shinsuke <laughs> Nakamura to the ring, Nakamura eventually made his entrance alongside Boogs, where they then danced alongside SmackDown commentator Pat McAfee on his table. So, that's, uh, that was absolutely no point. That was, but, I mean, was, why did they come out? I mean, this this event was supposed to finish at, what, what half three in the morning? And there we were still sitting at Collins' about half five. <laughs> so, <laughs> we, we, I think behind the curtain, right, we, we, we turned up at Collins' house, we, we got our dinner delivered and we played some FIFA because we are nearly 40, a lot of us, and, and that's what young men do. Um, and we said, it'll be fine, we'll be out of here for three, because I think we read on Twitter that they had to be finished by, what, 11 yeah. o'clock or something, wherever they were, so what, that's fine. Like, that, that's not too bad, we've got bros at a nice reasonable hour, and, and I think we were sitting there at like half two, quarter to three, and we're going, we still got like six matches left here. <laughs> we're clearly not getting out of here anytime soon. Um and then the Miz rolls out with a water gun, but we'll touch on that later. Uh, right, Xander, you, you're young, as we keep saying. You're, you're right in touch with this. They had promised, and WWE got a wee bit of heat for this, Sasha Banks versus Bianca Belair in a rematch from WrestleMania, where Belair had defeated Banks to, to win the women's title. They've done a wee bit of bait and switch, because for whatever reason, my favourite Sasha Banks wasn't there, wasn't able to compete, whatever and they had, as I think most people had expected Becky Lynch to return but they didn't release her fake out thing where Carmella came out and then Becky Lynch comes out and squashes her and takes the belt and I think the, the match time's listed at 26 seconds or something ridiculous my point when I was sitting there with Sai was okay, you're in the line with Carmella and then you hear Becky Lynch coming back, why are you sitting smiling you know this woman's going to be a threat to your belt should she come out and challenge you. Why are you standing there smiling? Yep. Bianca Belly loses her belt and then the sort of any momentum they built up for that lassie seems to have been taken away. So I'll ask Xander first. Xander, what's your thoughts on this? Were you happy with the booking or did it just annoy you as much as the rest of us? Well, the the thing for me was that it, it, did, it did just sort of ruin that return for me for Becky Lynch because Seeing her return, I was thinking like, okay, she she was you know massive uh, when when Rousey and Charlotte were facing on stuff like she she was probably the biggest name in the company at that point, uh, and and all they kept feeding Bianca Belair was Zelina Vega, Lana when she was there, and and Carmella, uh, you know after Banks at, at Mania, that's all they gave uh, Bianca Belair. You know it, it was a bit a bit poor because I, I thought Bianca Belair would would go on like any SummerSlam and maybe any Survivor Series with a good run with the boot. Uh, and she never got that. So seeing Becky Lynch come back, I was thinking, oh, okay, this is cool. Then she's probably going to bar Carmella and then we'll get a, a face-off and then it will be on in the next match. No, we actually get a match here. And, and yeah, Becky Lynch then just hits, what, the rock bottom on her and then, and then pins her. Like, first of all, 
I mean, the first issue here is that you've hit one of the worst moves in wrestling, owner, which is an absolute disgrace and it's embarrassing and you should be ashamed of yourself. And second of all, you've literally just buried someone that the crowd are getting really, really into for someone that you've not even written that well over the last couple of months. You've not even booked her that well, but the crowd have slowly and slowly grown to like her, all because of how good she is in the ring. And you've went and now ruined that with someone who I think is quite average in the ring, but because of her character work and her promo work, she is still quite entertaining. And you've just ruined that by making her the top champion again on SmackDown and having Bianca Belair, like having to go from the start again, which just makes no sense to me because what happened to just making rematch after rematch after rematch anyway? So why is Bianca Belair now like at the back of the line? Oh, it just makes no sense. Now. Like, it almost feels like they were just panning on Barry and Bianca Belair. And this all came because apparently, now this isn't true, uh, well, I don't think it is anyway, but apparently Sasha Banks get COVID or tested positive at least, and they had about, I think it was like nine days, someone said they had to actually change this, and they didn't, they ran with Sasha Banks versus Bianca Belair in, in, in the match at SummerSlam, and they done a whole turnaround at this very moment for a Becky Lynch return and for a, a squash match. It was all done, it was all done horrendously. It was it was horrendous, the, the entire situation. Uh, and then that's, that's why when Becky Lynch wins it, you don't hear like this huge shock what just happened to you. It's just total silence. Because nobody understand, nobody understood what was going on. Sai, for me, if you know Banks isn't going to appear, you can yeah. do the whole. Like again, let's credit AEW, right? The whole world knew that CM Punk was turning up, right? But Tony Khan never said that. But yeah. there was enough hints, right? Um, Kenny Omega wore a chick magnet T-shirt. Oh. Um, Darby Allen talked about the best in the world. There's ways you can tell people things that are going to happen yeah. and then they want to see it happen and they enjoy it when it happens. And I, I've always said it's one of the best things in wrestling when you can see something coming and it turns out the way you wanted it to and then you enjoy it because you were expecting it. Um, to me, if, now I don't know Becky Lynch's state. I've seen pictures of her and she, she certainly looks in shape. I mean, it's not as if she's a broken leg or, or something like that that she's just coming back from like remember when Austin all those years ago came down the ring to try and help Foley and he was like two stone overweight or something and he struggled to get anything more than a chair swing out of him we remember Edge coming back at a rumble when he was well overweight I don't think she's overweight so, so why not do the the whole tease of we'll have someone that's going to be a, a comeback it's a former yeah. women's champion build it up and then let the people and then I think the people would have bought her winning the belt again let the match go but I think if you look at the women's matches here now I'm not speaking as a big fan of women's wrestling it's, that's not my bag but the first match was less than 4 minutes this match was 26 seconds and then the triple threat match later was 13 minutes so two women's matches in under 20 minutes it's, it's not exactly shining a light on the division but yeah. how, would you, how would you have booked this and would you have done something like a schmoz where they, they sort of both batter off Carmella and then a great fight at the next pay-per-view or yeah. something or, or what would you have done? I would have done exactly that I'd have just had them batter a couple of heels but then again that's an excuse for saying this was done to turn, turn, their, turn their heels so whether it was or not and they've just seen the reaction online I probably think it's the latter where they've seen the reaction online the fans have shat all over it and they've had no option other than to, than to turn their heel here so no it's it made no sense at all and we sat there and watched it and thought, what is this? Even at the time when you mentioned it earlier when Becky was walking down and Bianca really was sitting barking out and you're like, oh, 
she done that at WrestleMania as well. It's, it's something that she's got to learn about wrestling as well. You can't let your emotions get the better of you like that because letting yourself go in front of an audience is it's breaking breaking the character as well. And, and she, I don't have any doubt that that was her legitimate reaction to seeing Becky Lynch back that she was marking out. So it's just a wee lesson she's got to learn going forward. But overall, the wrong decision to, to do that. Talking about wrong decisions and botches, we've got Drew McIntyre with Ginger Mahal. They're fighting is it over a sword or something or a motorbike. Um, call me old fashioned, Xander, but I think if you have a the perfect example again is me, right? Most of us who have watched wrestling for any amount of time knew that Kerry Omega was not going to drop that belt to Christian, but Christian was one of these guys. It's good to have Kenny Omega beat. It's what I call an in your house match. Yeah. You're old enough to remember that when people fought in, in your houses, you knew that Shawn Michaels, love, Bret yeah. Hart, Steve Austin wasn't going to lose the belt. It was normally a DQ. It's just it's a good main event to have. And sometimes they used to use them for elevating guys or just to see how they handled being in the title picture. Yeah. To me, if you built this story, I mean, right, I'm not a Jinder Mahal fan, right? Oh, no. Again, I think he's in shape, right? He he looks like a wrestler, no issue there. But they've not done enough to to build him, tell his backstory, why should we care about him? But here we are. But I think there's enough there. There's enough meat in that bone for him to go after Drew when Drew was still champion and have a a backlash match to have a match, uh, I don't know, Tables, ladders, and chairs, or something. But here we are, midway up the card at SummerSlam, Xander. It's a four-minute match. Didn't like. I think you said it earlier. It didn't really offend anyone. It was there. Does it move Ginger up the card? Not really for me. Does it do anything to elevate Drew? Not really for me. Did it mean anything to you? Uh, for me, it was just sort of like ticking that nostalgia box. I would say for. Probably guys around my age, like, you know, there'll be people around my age who are thinking, like, oh, I remember these two in Three Man Band with Heath Slater, and, uh, and ha- having that sort of go full circle and having a match with each other is, uh, was, was sort of maybe one of the right things to do. You know, when, um, I remember when Kofi Kingston won the WWE title, you know, he, he would sort of have a, like, sort of nostalgia bits where he was facing against Dolph Ziggler for, like, you know, a million time, but it, it just, it meant more because he was the champion. Uh, and Ziggler had beaten him multiple times, so it actually felt like, oh, maybe Ziggler could beat him then, because he has done before many times, but of course, Kofi would get the win there. There was Kofi v. Orton, where Orton would, would kick his ass pretty much uh, during like the mid-2000s, or sorry, well, sort of later than the 2000s, and Kofi finally got that win back over him for the w- when he was WWE champion. But this year, when it's for no belt, and there was just hundreds of fucking penis innuendos <laughs> in the storyline, in this sword pish, like I, I thought we were done with that, with that Scottish psychopath thing, where he was like, where he was a nutter because he was from Scotland, and now, now he's one of we are killed in a sword. Like, why are we going backwards in this character development? It just makes no sense to me now. You, you, you've somehow made some, you've somehow took someone that beat Lesnar and Goldberg for the belt, and he a total mid carber. Like, like, to me, that's, that that you've got to be a mad genius to somehow do that to someone. Uh, and then he goes and beats Jinder Mahal and it's like you said actually about and I, I like your point about Omega and Cage because Christian Cage actually beat Omega for the Impact title so in that main event of All Out there there could be that thing in the back of your head that says he's actually beating Omega 
for a title in a big match and in the main event. Could he do it again for the AEW world title? And of course, you know, he didn't. But but that was still there. Like, Christian Cage still has that over Omega. There was nothing from Jinder Mahal that, that would suggest he could even get, like, a sniff of a victory over Drew McIntyre. So there was no reason for anyone to believe Jinder Mahal would win this. And, and even on that, even on the pre-show or whatever, or whenever they do that, like, analysis thing on matches, not one person, not even Booker T, of all people, would say that, oh, Jinder Mahal's got a chance here. All, all they did was just say, yeah, Drew McIntyre's going to, like, walk right through him. And he did, because it was a four-minute match and Jinder Mahal get like, maybe two punches in. It was it was just an absolute waste of time, and I don't know why, as well, they thought it was a good idea to put this on after they had the joint squash Bianca Bella. It was so dumb. It was a very dumb moment at the middle of the show. Yeah. Sai, you, I think, were the, the one that said to me a good year ago, I hope we don't turn Drew into Braveheart. I think we're a wee bit of blue paint away. Yeah. Anything to add to this? No, Xander's spot on. They've, it's again, it's, it's, they've totally botched them, and I'll keep going on about it. What, what a star they had uh, last year, even at the start of this year. He should have went over at WrestleMania, um, and then as soon as they lost that opening match to, to Lashley, that was him done. Um, which is a shame, because um, we know how much we all, we all love him, and he is, he is great in the ring, and he's got that character about him, but he's let the creative team water it down so much and play up to the stereotypes that he must surely hate deep down. I mean, walking about in the kill, swords, it's just, nah, it's just not for me. And it just, you can tell he's not comfortable in it anymore. And I just hope that he can get back up the card quickly because this was a waste of time, as Xander says. Do you uh, any ideas when Drew's contract expires? Wonder if he would interest Tony Khan. Oh, I think he had a multi-year deal last year, actually, so I think he's there for a while. Aye. Uh, um, I think he he would be be interesting to see when. Don't even think it tells you. Um, no, nah, uh, we'll find out. But I, I think he would be very interesting to see how he would handle jumping and. Yeah. Certainly, beef up. I mean, not just now, but maybe a, a year or two down the line when when we're at the stage where they need to re. Re-up the, the talent roster. Oh, okay, from one Scottish person that's been repackaged as Braveheart to one that has been repackaged as, um, I don't know, a, a child's drawing or something. Uh, you've got two of the best women wrestlers in the world in here with Nicky Ash. Si, I'll ask you first. I know you're a big Nicky Ash fan. I think mm. you've, you've got a t-shirt and, and stuff like that. Um, yeah. Happy happy with this match? Or was, were you like me and thought that which one of these is not like the other because you've got two giant women in there and then you've got somebody dressed up like a, a small child. Yeah, I mean, this is a gimmick for like the early 90s. It's not, it's just not going to work and you can tell the fans aren't into it whatsoever. And I don't know why they even went with that decision to have or win the sort of money in the bank stuff and then win the title when here we are at a pay-per-view, but I mean, got to, it's, it's just saying it's hard. It's hard. It's wanting to do the to do this gimmick. Then all power to her because it's it's not working and it's it's a means to an end to get another title being on Charlotte as well, who we've seen win umpteen title belts now. So no, uh, Nikki Ash, not for me. It's I don't even know if it's going to continue on this storyline or what. So the. Interesting to see where she is in a couple of months' time. Um, I don't hold out much hope for her doing much uh, on Raw or SmackDown now. Uh, Xander, I think there's probably 
if I'm being kind, 10 people in the WWE roster that you can say they won't be fired. Uh, on the wrestling side of things, I think everyone else is pretty much Asprey Wyatt <laughs> up for grabs and they could be fired tomorrow. Thoughts on this triple threat match and Nikki Ash's character in general? Because I say it's it's not working for me. It's very much a, a like I said, it's like something out of nineteen eighty five with like a sparky plug or I don't know the Godwins or something. It's pretty ridiculous. Well, yeah, I mean, it's like I said with those um, those stupid like entrance graphics. Uh, I I I don't fully mind it if it's not for me, but it is for kids. But the kids aren't actually enjoying this character that much, as I'd imagine WWE want them to enjoy it. So yeah, uh, overall, this isn't a character that is working in WWE, and, and they will need to change that at some point. Um, having Charlotte Flair winning a fourteenth women's title on the main roster, by the way. I'm getting very bored of this. I'm a big fan of Charlotte, and I think Charlotte's a really good wrestler. I think she definitely takes it from her dad a lot. Like, and even though she is, I would say maybe bigger than her dad. I mean, when when he was younger, he was he didn't look like a big guy, but he wasn't, you know, he wasn't hitting spears and shit. You know what I mean? Like, like Charlotte does. Uh, so having just having her versus Rhea again at SummerSlam would have been fine. Having Nikki Ash in this was maybe a little bit daft for me. And see if it was just like Nikki Cross being a, a bit of a nutter again. Having the title, I wouldn't even hate that either because that Nikki Cross would do a bit things a bit more daring because that's what the character was like. It, you know, it was a bit crazy. It was a bit, you know, a flashback to ECW. It was kind of like you don't really know what she's going to do next type of thing. This Nikki Ash character's far too, you know, far too nice, far too white meat. Like she's not going to do anything that's that is like super crazy unless she's you know from the top rope instead of like off the top of a ladder, for instance. So, um, to yeah, it would have just been fine for Charlotte and Rhea just to butter fuck each other for this, I reckon, but. Adding Nikki Ash in this, and then, uh, and then Charlotte Char- Char- getting the win again, and they've literally just announced minutes ago for Raw tonight it's Charlotte Flair versus Nia Jackson. The belt's annoying. Like we're just going to suckle see with this fucking title. Jesus. <laughs> the problem I've got right with the women's title and the women's scene in WWE is it revolves around the same four people. Mm-hmm. You've got there was a four horsewomen, isn't it? Bailey, who I do think is quite entertaining, um, Sasha, Charlotte, and Becky, and then everyone else around about them is never quite up to scratch. So you always end up with the same sort of people in the same matches. And Nia Jax is one that's just she's just there because she's a bigger girl and looks slightly different, despite her botches on a weekly basis. I think I seen clips on Twitter of her botches last week and. Oh, it's baffling, but this is WWE is in a very, very poor state. If you take out the money they're making, which is despite themselves, as a, as a great man once said. Uh, but the cards sort of picked up here, and we'll just battle through these because we have gone quite long. It's a wee bit like SummerSlam itself. <laughs> so I, I'll give you this match: Edge versus Seth Rollins. That I thought was quite good. I think we quite enjoyed it. Yeah, We're maybe a wee bit long because I see we were sitting here about four o'clock in the morning and. I think Colin had started nodding off at this point and um, I don't think he would be the only one in the UK but I thought this one was quite good. Yeah, no, this is probably my favourite match in the night and I think Edge likes these longer matches to see that he can still go. I mean, we've seen with um, Orton a few times, WrestleMania last year and then uh, the Backlash match, they went pretty long so I think he's trying to test himself as well to see that he can still still do longer matches and still go. So, no, I mean, this, this was my... Um, I like the entrance for the edge, doing the old brood style entrance. Um, 
just done nothing about it. I mean, Rollins done towards the end that court screaming so move. So no, it's uh, it was on paper as everything. It was a match of the night for me, and Edge has just got so much still to offer, and I just don't want to see him getting lost in the mix as well. We keep him as a sort of special special attraction over the next couple of months. So. I can see maybe the, the Rollins feud going to, to Survivor Series and then they'll, then they'll call that quits. Sandra, you, you get the short straw. You get to give us your impression of Bobby Lashley, Bobby Lashley even, versus Goldberg. Goldberg, I think it's fair to say, has never been really known for his high match quality, for his selling. You get seven minutes out of him. I don't know if that's including entrances and spitting and <laughs> jumping up and down and his wee boy who's a wee bit bigger since the last time I've seen him, but he, he jumped into the ring and copped a wee bit of a move from Lashley, but are you happy to see Goldberg back, or would you quite happily retire him? Oh, I, w- I would have retired him 20 years ago, but apparently that's not good enough for Mr Goldberg, is it? Uh, do you know what, actually, I thought this match was fine, because mo- most Goldberg matches you see now is that it's like 90% off- offence in Goldberg, and people then kick out of the jackhammer and everyone's like, oh my god, he kicked out of the jackhammer. I mean, everyone's kicking out of the fucking jackhammer. Yeah. So it just makes that move a bit shite. Um, but but, but th- th- this match had a, had a referee stoppage in it. Like, Goldberg wasn't even, like, properly pinned, really. And it, 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 I think it just sort of solidifies how strong Lash is going to be as a WWE champion. I think he's going to hold that as well, maybe, until Mania. I don't see him dropping it as Survivor Series to anyone specific. I don't see him dropping it at Saudi. I mean, it'd be the best way to do it, I think, but I don't know do it. Like, uh, yeah. it'd be a rematch, wouldn't it? Aye, like I, I don't know. I, I thought this match was was fine in that respect because it, even for a Goldberg match, it it felt it felt a little bit different that way to have someone looking stronger than Goldberg for the first time. Whereas every other time, it's just sort of like I mean, even, even with McIntyre back at the Rumble, Goldberg was sort of on him for a bit until McIntyre hit like three um, Claymore kicks and then he beat him. Like McIntyre didn't look that strong in that match. Uh, and, and people haven't even, even Mr. Brock Lesnar, the big match guy himself, for the last couple of years, didn't look that good against Goldberg sometimes. So having Lashley looking really strong against him was, was a, a nice little change. I just say there was a wee bit of story. Um, Goldberg's one of these guys that struggle with adapting to aging. Some wrestlers can do it. They could maybe not do the high flying stuff if that's what they do. They could slow down, they could go more map based, they could take these shortcuts and just sort of use the promos and stuff like that. Goldberg's not really adapted. He took a big chunk of time off and came back and got a decent nostalgia pop, but personally I think it's it's wore off a long, long time ago and I, again I think if you say Goldberg's retired from wrestling I, I don't really think you would Nobody would miss him, and that's that's not even harsh. I just I don't think he brings much these days. Um, but maybe it's something just for the Saudi show, like you boys have said, because they they do seem to like the legends over there. And I say if you bring him back for a Raw, a special occasion, a, I don't know, Raw one hundred, Raw five hundred, some one of these things, have him come out, spear somebody, jackhammer, a heel, and then go away. I, I think you're fine, you get away with it. But anything other than that, I think you, you start to you're welcome. Um, we're at sort of that point, but we're always doing that to you, folks who have managed to stick with us. So we'll fire through this last one very, very quickly. Sai Roman Reigns, who's probably the best thing in WWE right now with Paul Heyman, defeats John Cena. 
I thought they telegraphed the, the outcome of this match by saying before that if Reigns loses, he's gone from WWE. I don't yeah. think it needed it. I think no. they were fine with because Cena's going for that title to, to beat Flair, so I think that was enough of it. I don't think he had to add anything else in it. And then, of course, after it, Brock Lesnar comes out, and I think you now have a very compelling story between Reigns and Lesnar to see who Heyman's going to pick, etc., etc., but I don't think Big Match John has ever been... Uh, I can't say that I've re- ever really enjoyed a John Cena match. I think he's OK, but can you remember this, or were you sleeping by the time this match <laughs> reached its conclusion about half five in the morning? <clears throat> no, I stayed up to the bitter end, but no, it's actually an OK match as well, so it, was, it is what it was. A lot of power moves as well as you'd expect from from Reigns and, and Cena as well, so... It, it was what it was. I fully expected uh, Roman Reigns to win, and um, and he will probably continue on now for the next year or so as champion. It's going to be a good reign because you can't see who defeats him anytime soon. No, they've not really built anyone up. I mean, Zander, yeah. I, I quite like that they're all conquering Roman Reigns. I, it should, in theory, if they pick the right person, whoever dethrones them will be a made man. But I thought that's this match is fine. I say we were absolutely shattered and at some point over the last three matches they decided to wheel out Xavier Woods with a water gun dressed as Scott Hall fighting with the Miz and I think we almost smashed Collins Kelly because we were just wanting him off the screen and we're like how long is this actually going to go and then they put this crap in the middle of it. Are you happy to see Reigns go over and see us now way back to Hollywood something that he, he was critical of the Rock for doing many many years ago? Nah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I was actually fine with this match. I thought the match was, was pretty good. Like, I think, I think nowadays now we can all agree that Reigns just doesn't put on a bad match anymore. He's such, he's such a massive name and a big deal, and, and his moveset is that that good now, and he's mastered it over the years. That, um, that yeah, he he just can't put on a bad match. Like everyone's so interested in what he does now. Uh, the, the the thing with that stipulation, which really bugged me, was that. It was on one SmackDown, and it felt like a little bit of a throwaway line where he just said that if I can't beat you, then I should just go to Hollywood myself and not be here. And then WWE ran with that as if he was going to leave WWE. Like I, I don't know where you got that conclusion from, but whatever. It's a, it's a whatever stipulation uh, that there wasn't going to come true anyway. I think we all knew that. I, th- I think we all knew Cena wasn't going to become the 17th time here. It just, it, it yeah. just didn't feel right. Uh, it, it, feels, it feels more right with the WWE title, not the Universal title. Uh, so he can go and beat Lashley if he wants in Saudi. Uh, but to, the, the match for me was absolutely fine. And then, you know, Lesnar coming out with the best looking fucking anime look that he's ever had in his entire life with the hair and the and the beard. And he actually looks a little bit slimmer and somehow bigger. I, I don't know how the fuck he's done that. Uh, and, and then he has that stare down with Reigns and then Reigns leaves. And then he has a couple of F5s and suplexes on Cena, which he never actually saw on the show itself, but was like posted all over social media. That's how you do a return. Not the Becky Lynch. But if, if, if Lesnar came out and challenged Reigns and then beat Reigns in 26 seconds, like that would that would have been torching. <laughs> that would have been absolutely just a disgraceful way to end that show. But that's just how you do a return. Have the stare down, plant that seed, let the fans know what they can be, what they will expect to be talked about on SmackDown, which I'm pretty sure is what WWE do all the fucking time anyway, is be like, tune in to Raw or SmackDown and see what happens next. Like, that's what you, you don't do that with a title change, you do that with a stare down. That's the best way to do it. And I think they've done it right 
with Lesnar and Reigns, but he didn't do that at all with Lynch and Belair. Indeed, it's uh, it's very much comeback season. Indeed, we've added that. So I think all that's left to do is get a rating for this show, and then and we'll we'll call it time. Sai, your rating for SummerSlam out of five again. Uh, out of five, I'll give it three. So very kind. Xander, your rating? I'll give it a three as well, but most of that is Edge and Rollins because that match was amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I I'll give it to. Uh, I think WWE is in a very, very bad way creatively just now. Something we'll do a pod on in the near future. If you've lasted the full nearly two hours of this pod, I, I thank you very, very much. We we'll, won't leave it as long next time. Just need to thank the both of you. Thank you to Sai. Thanks very much, mate. Cheers again. And thank you to Young Xander. Thank you, mate. Thanks for having me on. I mean, it's almost terrible, isn't it? It's still not as long as a Raw. I'm in Kedway. <laughs> Hopefully this is far more enjoyable than a Raw. If it's not, we really have things to worry about. We will speak to you again very, very soon. We'll put the link for Watermover in the description if you want to check it out. We've done some pods on tag team wrestling. We've done some things on the highlight of yeah. Hart's career. And we've done, like Xander mentioned earlier, how we would have booked... CM Punk and Daniel Bryan and AEW you can see how right or how wrong we were and if you think we are better bookers than Tony Khan but as always thank you for listening we will speak to you again very very soon on both platforms good night cheers at quite the thing media we aim to bring you the best podcasts produced by independent creators made without constraints.